Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. Uh, good fun to have uh, our friend, former Oregon Senator Gordon Smith, uh, with us, talking about the National Association of Broadcasters. And uh, now we're very pleased to have uh, our good friend, independent pollster Scott Rasmussen, on the line from New York. And, and Scott, you literally just texted me a uh, a photo from outside your window. It looks like you got some uh, protesters and a very long line of police after them. Yes, and, and look, it was very peaceful, but uh, I heard some shouting outside, and we, I looked out, and there's this very long line of people, about 20 police cars just in a line uh along parallel to the marchers and uh they went by our home and are continuing to head downtown and so it's uh you know it's it's a very sort of little little unnerving uh, i was through the riots in asbury park in 1970 um and because of where we lived back then it was a it was a much more nerve-wracking situation but it's still uh you know there's a lot of anger across the land right now and we what we saw last week in a video it's understandable yeah uh interesting we uh we so appreciate scott's perspective you've been you've been our eyes on new york uh as it relates to the coronavirus for the last few months and now we've added additional duties and uh uh, and now we're going to add more because we're going to get to the polling uh, that matters. But let's start nationally. I know you've done some national polling um, as it relates to people's attitudes uh, about the protests, about what's going on, about uh, what happened. Uh, give us your perspective by the numbers. What does that look like? Well, you know, we, we did this polling right as the story was breaking about George, uh, the murder of uh, George Floyd and uh, and actually just uh, up until right around the time of the officer's arrest. And we, we found uh, that only 21% of voters nationwide believe that law enforcement agencies treat white and black Americans equally. Um, and, you know, not surprisingly, uh, black voters are even more pessimistic, 83%. Uh, of black voters believe whites receive better treatment from law enforcement. Um, the numbers are even more stunning when you begin to look at it in different ways. Uh, if if a, an African American man was or an African American was walking down the street alone and approached by a police officer, seventy two percent of them say they would be nervous, including thirty nine percent who would be very nervous. Uh, the numbers among white Americans much much smaller. And and I think you know this is not just uh, low income or poorly educated black Americans. One out of every four college black voters would be very nervous if approached by a police officer. Uh, this is a terrible situation. And I, I mentioned in my column at Deseret.com today that 
When I looked at these numbers, I thought back to a long, long time ago, a conversation with Harvey Gantt, who was the first African-American mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and very accomplished man, very wonderful man. And he told us that he always dressed well when he'd go to the hardware store. And the reason he did so was so they wouldn't think he was shoplifting. I, I mean, that's just incomprehensible. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's some real critical conversations that need to be had there for sure, and we're going to continue to have those here on KSL News Radio. We'll be joined by Joseph Grinney for a crucial conversation coming up at 1135. Uh, Scott, we know you've also been doing uh, polling. It's that time again for the Deseret News Hinkley Institute of Politics poll. Uh, Everyone, uh, all eyes on the governor's race right now as we're exactly four weeks away from Election Day and really just about nine days away from ballots hitting mailboxes uh, for folks. Uh, as you look at the numbers, uh, what does it tell you? Well, right now, you know, we've been talking all year that it was simply a two-man race, that uh, Cox and Huntsman were too close to call and everybody else was a little further back. Things have changed now. Uh, Cox has opened up a bit of a lead, 30% to 23% over Huntsman, and Hughes is coming in third place, right behind it, 19%. Uh, And, Boyd, as you're well aware, it really all depends on turnout uh, in a primary election. As a pollster, you know, it's never easy to estimate turnout in a general election, but but in the relative degree of difficulty, that's much easier than doing a a poll for a primary. So we estimated some different levels of uh, turnout. And at the most base level, the more the election looks like or the primary electorate looks like it did the last time there was a gubernatorial election, the better it is for Cox. The more that you expand that electorate and get other people who are not base Republican voters into the mix, the better it is for Huntsman. Uh, And something else uh, in the data, it looks like the governor's endorsement is helping. uh, Cox, he does very, very well among those who strongly approve of the governor. Uh, Very, very fascinating. Uh, We had a debate here uh, last night and uh, broke it down a little bit after in terms of the vision of where things are are headed. And uh, it does seem uh, as you broaden it out, uh, I know you often talk about the the movable middle. uh, And I think there is a a movable middle here in the the state of Utah, probably a little different from the rest of the country. But there is there does seem to be this movable middle. And and to me, it seems uh, that the debate will, will really center on kind of Utah as this place in the West that is doing well, that is, you know, always kind of at the top of things in terms of employment and opportunity and upward mobility. And then there's sort of this bigger picture uh, where the Huntsman campaign seems to be driving in terms of it's time for big ideas and uh, crossroads of the world seems to be the, the theme there. Anything from the data in terms of how you see the movable middle engaging or not engaging uh, in a June 30th primary? Well, you know, I I think the question is whether they will engage. Um, uh, You know, it's very difficult to estimate, as I said, in any primary who's going to show up and vote. But we're in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, Maybe because people are at home more often, they're going to vote more by mail. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that the more that electorate can expand beyond the Republican Party base, the better it is for uh, for Huntsman. The more it is, the more it's the people who always take part in Republican politics. Well, I'll be blunt. If 
if things don't change in the next three or four weeks and the turnout looks very much like a typical Republican primary year, then Cox is likely to be the nominee in the next governor. Uh, if we see a different turnout mix, if we see a bigger group from that movable middle or from people that are perhaps somewhat aligned with the Republican Party or, or not even aligned with the Republican Party, if they decide to, to change their registration and get involved, that would make it a more competitive race. Mm, there you go. All right, Scott Rasmussen, always appreciate your insight, uh, appreciate your efforts in uh, our polling here with the Deseret News and the Hinckley Institute of Politics, our, our partner there. Uh, always appreciate your perspective and uh, loved your column today. Uh, again, a, a great by the numbers, but also some great insight in terms of where we are on this discussion of race in America. Well, thanks, Boyd. And, you know, it's really it's the, the good news in the polling we did for that column is that uh, people overwhelmingly wanted the police officers involved to be arrested. Americans are repulsed when they see this kind of blatant racism. The question is, you know, what will we do to bring about change? Yeah, that is always the question and a great question to end on today. Scott Rasmussen, thanks so much for joining us. Stay safe there. Thank in you, New Boyd. York. All right. Again, very interesting poll numbers. All right. We're going to step aside when we come back crucial conversation. Joseph Grenny is going to join us. We're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about uncomfortable conversations next on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.